It's Monday, October 22nd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Josh Caldwell, our director of international programs, and he will walk us through Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Um, Here on the Defender podcast, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we will continue to go through the book of Acts on our Monday Bible study for the next several months. Um, And this is going to be an enriching time that we can just kind of take a step back and look at um, these verses and see what we can glean for our daily lives from these verses. So let's read together. We're going to look at several verses today, um, but primarily looking in Acts. Um, And then at the end, we're going to talk about five things that we can learn from the Holy Spirit each day. This is not a comprehensive list of all that we can learn from the Holy Spirit, but just a few things that we can learn because our verses today, Acts 2, 1 through 13, is about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw that seemed what seemed like to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and came to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language begin, being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Paratheans and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, and Cappadocia, Pontusand, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt. And the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Somehow, uh, some, however, made fun of them and said they had had too much wine to drink. These are some great uh, verses where we see the power of the Holy Spirit. Something magnificent has happened here, and someone in the crowd thought the people were drunk. But in fact, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord was pointing them back to Him. And they were teaching in verse 11, it says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God. So let's look at a couple of these verses more in depth, and then we'll go through and just uh, hear four or five things that we want to uh, learn from each day being uh, taking from the Holy Spirit. So number one, uh, verse number one, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So when we see this, um, we see that it says the disciples were all together. They were gathered together uh, in one place on this day of Pentecost. And it's really unclear where this place was. Um, But this could have been the upper room um, where they had gathered for prayer in chapter one, or it could have been another location. It's possible that um, it could they could have been gathered in the temple 
um, but we can't be sure. But it is, however, very important for us to see that God pours out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was the 50th day after Passover and commonly referred to as the day of first fruits or the harvest, the day of the harvest. Um, It's because that it was a day that first fruits in the Old Testament, first fruits were offered to God through numbers. We learned Learn this in Numbers 28 and 26. Uh, But on this particular day of Pentecost, on this one in Acts 2, when it says this is the day of Pentecost, this is also a special day of harvest. We see uh, later on in this chapter, which we'll do Bible study on next week, we hear Peter's sermon. Peter's sermon is what comes up next. And um, as we look at verse 41, it says those who... Um, who heard this word were baptized and those were 3,000. So 3,000 people. So it was a great harvest on that day uh, in Pentecost. So that's an important thing for us to think about as well. But as we look at verse two, verse two says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Here is is where the Holy Spirit comes uh, upon the disciples, and they said they hear a great sound, like a mighty rushing wind. And it's important, I think, for us to to see that wind is translated um, oftentimes as breath, um, or even in the Strong's Concordance it says the breath of life. Um, isn't that a, a cool thing to think about? That the they heard this sound of a rushing wind, and that wind can also be translated as breath. And when we think about the breath of God, these ex- disciples were experiencing something incredible here, and it's very similar to what we reread in Ezekiel. If we go back to the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, where the breath or the Spirit of God was filling them and giving life. So let's look at that for a minute. If, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, or I'm going to read it through from the ESV, and it's Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hands of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the middle of the valley. It is was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. These verses, that's uh, verses one through six of Ezekiel. Um, We're going to skip down and look at verses 12 through 14 in just a minute. But these verses are a picture of of deadness, uh, this valley of bones, not even just regular bones, but dry bones. Um, The Lord will put breath in in you and you shall live. We see this, that um, it says, hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord says to fill these bones. Um, So let's skip down to verses 12 through 14. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you. 
Let me read that again. Verse 14, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord and I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. I love this where it says I will put my spirit within you. Not just my spirit will come along, come live amongst you, but I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and you will and you share Uh, You shall know that I am the Lord. These are some really important verses. And as we see that Ezekiel 37 is a very uh, similar picture to what we're seeing here on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Let's look at Acts 2 uh, verse 3. We've looked at verses 1 and 2. Let's look at verses actually look at 3 and 4 together. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit manifests Himself here uh, in His presence. We know that His presence is there through the Spirit, but we see that it's here as tongues of fire and fire is something that is, is has been used in the Old Testament as a, a picture of the presence of God. And we know this through an example like Exodus 3 and the burnt Moses in the burning bush, where uh, demonstrating that he was there in a very special and powerful way. But what I love about this is that his, his presence was not there just to show, but to empower them to do something. His power came on them and they were empowered. And as we see back in these verses um, earlier in Acts, um, where we see that they were um, the wonders of God in your own tongues. They were declaring the wonders of God. And if you look uh, other places in Acts, you can also see a very similar thing happen where um, the people were filled with the Spirit. And when they were filled with the Spirit, they were sharing uh, about God. So let's look at um, Acts 4, verse 8. It says, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter said to them, rulers of the people and elders. So he is... Um, l- sharing about the God that is um, that is there. Let's also look at verses. At, let's look at Acts four verse thirty one. And they had prayed. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I love that, how it, how he uses this picture of the spirit coming on his people and them turning around when they hear this. I mean, when they have this spirit coming on them and sharing um, God. Here's another one is uh, Acts 9, verses 17 through 20. Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and then he rose and was baptized. So the Spirit is filling his people and and proclaiming God and what he is doing. These are some important verses. We're going to stop there as we look at Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. 
and know that the Holy Spirit is powerful and that the Holy Spirit coming on his people is transforming lives. And we're going to continue to study this over the coming weeks. But today I'd like for us just to look at a few things that we can think about when we think about the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. And again, this is not a comprehensive list, but uh, five things that we can see that the Holy Spirit does in our daily life. And the number one thing that I see is or number one on this list is the Holy Spirit will empower our prayer. Um, are you ever in a place where you have no words to say when you're praying or in a place where you're asking the Lord to guide your prayers? I know I have been there or a place where you're lacking words. The spirit that dwells within you will empower our prayer. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says this, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of Christ because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Isn't that an exciting thing to know that in the midst of me having lack of words that the Holy Spirit will intercede on my behalf. So number one, the Holy Spirit will empower our prayer. Number two, the Holy Spirit will guide and direct us. We are often as people of the Lord looking for direction in our lives. Uh, If you're like me, I often miss what is right in front of me or actually what is right inside of me, which is the Holy Spirit, the guide, the one that directs me. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this, but I I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep from doing the things you want to do. And as you keep going down in verses 18 through 21, you see, um, the writer here express what are the what are the evidences of the flesh? He talks about sexual morality and idolatry, rivalries and division and drunkenness. And if you go down to verse 22, this is where we see the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And all those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. And isn't this uh, a great picture of the, the Lord guiding and directing us? And just thinking about this with a family member the other day, we were talking about a situation and, and how do we, we were talking about what should we do in this situation? And immediately when we asked that question to each other, we, uh, we knew what the answer was because we knew of this, the fruit of the spirit, that we should show love, we should show peace, we should show patience, and we should show kindness in that moment that when we need the Lord to guide and direct us, he will often remind us of these types of verses in scripture. And we are to go to him and pray to him and ask him for his guidance in our life. So number one was the Holy Spirit will empower our prayer. Number two is the Holy Spirit will direct and guide us. And number three is the Holy Spirit will teach us about God, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach 
you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will help us and teach us about God, and he will he will teach us things as we are walking through our daily life, and he will bring us back to that. Number four is that he will sanctify us. He will grow us in, in our dealings of a daily life. He will grow us in our holiness to, to be more like Christ, and he will deal with our minds and our hearts and our desires. He will deal with those things with us and help us see our sin so that we may repent and turn from that sin. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Number one, he, he will empower our prayer. Number two, he will guide and direct us. Number three, he will teach us about God. And number four, he will sanctify us. And number five, the Holy Spirit is our helper. John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When I think about the Holy Spirit, this is really the primary thing that I think about is God sending his Holy Spirit, who is our helper. Um, We are in constant need of the Holy Spirit in our life and when we are feeling powerless and tired, when we are feeling uh, disoriented, He is our helper. When we are needing that scripture to hold on to, He is our helper. When we are needing guiding and directing, and when we are needing empowerment of prayer and teaching us about God, He is our helper. So let's think about these things today. Um, The Holy Spirit will empower our prayer. He will direct us. He will teach us about God, sanctify us, and He is our helper. Well, thanks, Big Daddy. And this week we are praying for the birth families through our domestic programs. We are praying that they will come to know the Lord and his redeeming love. We're praying that God will open their eyes to see that their children are made in the image of God and thus extremely valuable. We're praying that God will lead women to choose life for the baby and that they will consider adoption. We're praying that women will reach out to us so that we'll have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. We're praying for hospitals, OBGYNs, and pediatricians to desire to partner with Lifeline and to see the value in utilizing a ministry such as Lifelines. We're praising the Lord for so many crisis pregnancy center partnerships and the work of crisis pregnancy centers around the country and the work that they do to to, to, uh, care for these women who are considering abortion. We just ask that the Lord would, would continue to deepen our existing relationships and to establish new partnerships with PRC. We're praying that the Lord will direct women searching for adoption resources online. We're praying that the Lord will direct them towards Lifeline and to our efforts there. We're praying that the Lord will use their earthly adoption stories to show them the good news of eternal adoption, for God's kingdom to come into their hearts and lives, and for them to know and glorify and enjoy Jesus. We're praying specifically for Rachel, who placed her baby with a family, but is unsure uh, if the adoption will happen from a legal standpoint. We're, we're praying for peace for Rachel and for the family. We're praising the Lord for our pregnancy counseling team. We're, we're praying that their relationships with the Lord and the reliance upon the Holy Spirit to be primary in their daily lives so that what, uh, what is needed for each birth parent would come as an outflow of the Spirit's work. We're praying that God would grow them in wisdom, compassion, and boldness, pointing birth parents to Christ. We're praying for times of rest, and we're praising the Lord for women who are choosing life and the perspective the Lord has given them to see life as valuable. 
So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this gospel that has gone forth. We thank you for the opportunity to reach this gospel, uh, to use this gospel to reach birth mothers. And we pray for opportunities to to minister to more birth families, to have more birth families come to us both through online presences, through hospitals, through OBGYNs, and through crisis pregnancy centers so that we can ultimately preach the gospel and disciple them. Lord, we uh, certainly hope that these women will see that these babies are not a choice and they're not a mistake, but they are precious image bearers of you. They've been placed in their womb delicately by you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give them courage and conviction to choose life. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunities that we have to be able to, to minister to women. We pray for Rachel and this family. They're going through this legal standpoint that you would give them peace uh, and that you would bring a great outcome. And Lord, we're also praying for our pregnancy counseling team that their dependence would be upon the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit's outflow would be the work that we see. And then they would continue to grow in wisdom, compassion, and boldness, pointing birth parents to Christ. Lord, we know that you love these women. We're confident of the way that you take care of them. And Lord, we thank you for using us to minister to women in the midst of crisis pregnancies. In your great name we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.